Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. The sites with, so I basically had no money in. I just used the land as security, paid Tony half at the beginning and half when I'd sold the lots. And uh, so I put no money into that deal and did extremely well. And uh, that changed my life. This is Property Investory where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Tyrone Shum and in this episode, we're speaking to Managing Director of Property Mastermind, Bob Anderson co-author of Residential Real Estate Development, a practical guide for beginners to experts, Anderson will share his journey with us on where it all started and how he got into property development without any money. Also, before we delve into this episode, go over to propertyinveststory.com and subscribe to receive your free property investor case studies where you'll learn how to generate passive income from your properties. Go there now to sign up for free. With a vast amount of experience in development, Anderson keeps the passion alive through educating others about it as well. I'm, I'm a property developer and I also teach people how to do successful development. So, I sort of work two sides of the fence, I guess. Um, I've been a property developer for probably longer than I'd like to admit, uh, a little bit over a little bit over three decades now, but still going. Uh, the passion's still there, so uh, why wouldn't you keep doing it? Definitely. Well, I'm I'm actually interested now to, to if you could share with me just a little bit of how that how you keep that passion going because it is you know three decades is a long time. Well, look, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Um, in, in regards to, to money, it does produce great returns, and I've never found anything. Uh, at least legal, uh, not that I've looked at much illegal, but I'm not, I've never found anything that makes this much money. Uh, so that's always a driver. I mean, there's a lot more to life than money, but it is consistently good. Uh, but also, when you're doing development, uh, you really do one development that's exactly the same as another. So there's always little twists and turns and different types of projects, different types of properties you can do. And they all have their own challenges and uh, different types, different sizes, different localities, all those sorts of things. So there's plenty of variety. Uh, and the other thing is that uh, about nine years ago, I got involved in the education side as well. So I don't just do property development, so I teach it. And that's opened up a whole new world for me as well. And I meet a lot of great people doing that and I get a lot of job satisfaction. And uh, I'm, a, I'm a person that needs to be busy. I'm not a, I'm not a workaholic, um, but I like to keep busy. I like to have a bit of excitement, a bit of variety, a bit of adrenaline in my life. And I find that between doing property development and t- teaching a lot of people about it, and that satisfies all of that for me. And as a result, uh, I keep doing it. On any given day for him is split between these two avenues, working on projects and focusing on educating people on his area of expertise. 
on any one day I'd be pushing any projects forward uh, that I happen to be working on because, uh, you know, property development, it, it's really a matter of managing people and managing processes. And because those people, you know, architects, town planners, whatever they happen to be, they're integral within the process. So we're always pushing the process forward because time's money, uh, as, it, as it is in anything. And uh, so every day we're trying to progress and push things forward, keep on top of situations, keep people accountable uh, for their work. And so there's always pushing forward on that. And also uh, part of my day would be on the education side as well. It, it could be anything from uh, updating some of the content from our course. It could be uh, even uh, talking to people in my, in my mentoring program uh, about projects they're working on. So that's the sort of thing I was talking about before about the variety, which I, I sort of like and need and which keeps me excited and keeping going. So, yeah, it's, it's anything from working on projects to working with people. That's great. Although born and bred in Brisbane, Anderson has worked across Australia in a number of different markets and localities. As to his education, he never considered himself an academic. Look, I did. I did, I did the normal school system. I was, I was in the, uh, interesting enough, I was in the Catholic school system, which is sort of, uh, when you look back at it, um, quite, quite funny. Like the first four years of my life, I, was, uh, I went to, you know, in the Catholic sort of system because my mum was a Catholic and, uh, you know, I was taught by nuns and that was interesting. Uh, and then later on, I went to... Uh, Went to an all boys school uh, to finish my education up to up to year twelve, which is sort of before you went to uni, uh, as well in a, in a private school, and, uh, and that was great. Although I'd, I'd have to say, um, scholastically I was okay, uh, but I was really at school for the sport, to be honest. Yeah, we had a very strong sporting school, and uh, yeah, I think uh, most of my efforts were, were put in there, and what the energy I had left over, I put into academics. <laughs> Uh, that's the same as lots of things. But, uh, look, I did. I did move on after after uh, secondary school. I had a crack at university. Uh, that's about all I did. I chose a, a stream or a course that, I, to this day, I still don't. I still don't understand why I did it. To be honest, but, uh, I, I was reasonably good at physics and chemistry, and uh, somebody got in my ear and sort of pushed me in the direction of, uh, you know, either like pharmacy or chemistry or something in there, and. Uh, uh, so I, uh, I took on a degree in industrial chemistry, would you believe? And uh, but I didn't really. There wasn't much um, career education really when I went through school. Not like there is now. And uh, I was sort of just almost gravitated there and end up at university studying organic chemistry, inorganic chemistry, analytical chemistry, maths three, physics. Goodness knows what. The issue lay in a lack of passion for the subject despite withdrawing from the university. Now, his university qualified peers are working for him. The, the whole point is I had no passion for it at all. Um, I was just sort of led in that direction and I didn't know myself all that well. I mean, I didn't only just coming out of school often, you know, at that age, particularly guys, you know, we're trying to find our feet and who we are and how we fit into the world. And. and uh, I didn't realise at the time, but I, I, I did later, that if I don't have a real passion for something, uh, I lose interest really fast. And uh, as, as I did there, so I lost interest in it. I didn't like studying it. I didn't study very well. And uh, come August in year one, it was pretty obvious it was going to happen by November. I was going to fail. Not being one to like uh, failing, I did the next best thing I left. So I can happily say I never failed university. That's good. Uh, I withdrew myself from university uh, with the inevitable and uh, 
and, uh, and, and got out. I've never been back to tertiary education since, which is, uh, which is fine. Uh, I didn't have to. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, ironically, these days, I often make, make a bit of a joke about it that... Uh, all the people that were a lot smarter than me and that went on to university and got degrees in architecture and engineering and town planning and, you know, construction management degrees and all sorts of stuff, they all work for me now. However, it was a long road before he could get to this point, feeling lost and unsure of what he wanted to do. He then worked for his father for some time before entering the public service. My dad had a spray painting panel beating business at the time uh, and... Uh, during high school, I used to work for him. I learned at an early age actually how to uh, how to panel beat cars and paint cars because my dad was a my dad was a great worker. He had a very strong work ethic, uh, but like so many people, he just exchanged time for money. And the only way my dad could ever earn more money was to consume more time. And he only ever had the skills of a uh, basically a uh, a panel beater and spray painter. And actually, he was also a mechanic. He actually had three trades, would you believe? Um, but uh, as a result, he worked very hard. He worked long hours to educate his kids, put them through private schools. You know, he had a very strong work ethic, very strong family ethic. And uh, and uh, so as a result, I used to work with him and I worked with him on weekends when I was going to uni, uh, same thing. I'd, I'd, I'd go and work for him when I didn't have lectures. Uh, but, but when I left, um, I thought, well, I've got to get into the workforce now. And would you believe I went and joined the public service? I just wanted to chill out. I'd had enough. I'd had so many years of education. I just wanted to chill out. And uh, I had a few wasted years. Not that there's anything wrong with uh, people that work in the public service. Of course, we need them. We need, we need, we need good people there. Um, it's just that I wasn't the right sort of person for those sorts of roles. And uh, because I, I was starting to realise that I had an entrepreneurial spirit, I had a business spirit, I, I wanted to do things. And it took me a little while, admittedly, uh, because of the culture that was there. It took me a little while to actually realise uh, that I, I needed to be out of there and, uh, and what I was going to do. Unbeknownst to him, this was the path that would lead Anderson to think about property. Interestingly enough, uh, the, the public service department I worked for, they, they were... Uh, they were a public service department that actually generated income. Now, a lot of, a lot of course, public service departments don't actually generate income. They, they provide a service and they do, you know. Uh, but this this particular, it was, oh, I can tell you, it's SGIO, State Government Insurance Office. It's kind of called Suncorp these days. They sort of chopped themselves up. But in those days, they used to uh, had a division or a whole department in there that used to trade shares. And uh, they also had an area in there uh, that was involved in property. And uh, because of the huge amounts of cash they generated out of the insurance business, uh, they used to reinvest a lot of their funds in in big uh, investments, big property investments, uh, uh, city buildings, big hotels and that. And they also uh, would uh, put money with big developers and developments and that sort of thing. So I had uh, some exposure to that and that really got me thinking about business and, and uh, not so much the share trading part of it, uh, although that was interesting, but mainly the property. And uh, I thought, yeah, I can see myself going there, but I didn't quite know how to do it. Knowing he had to get out of public service, he then started up a couple of quick cash businesses. I started, uh, this is where the entrepreneurial spirit's really coming out. So I was still in the public service uh, and I thought I had to do something on the weekends to make more money. So I actually, uh, I, I took on window cleaning. Could you believe that? I never cleaned a window <laughs> in my life. But, but, I, but I went to a cleaning company that sold equipment. And I said, I want to buy window cleaning equipment. I'll buy everything you've got here that for cleaning windows, but I need you to show me how to do it. <laughs> That's a good trade-off. And, and they did. And the guy took me out the front of the shop, showed me how to clean a window, and I bought everything, and I put some flyers. I got some stuff printed off because it was before the internet. 
and I did letterbox drops around the areas that had high-rise buildings. And all of a sudden, I got more work than I could handle. I was, I was on weekends, I'm cleaning windows, and I started to take days off work. I know it's a little bit naughty, uh, <laughs> but I did. And I started, all of a sudden, like on, on a weekend, I'm making more money than I made all week in my day job. And uh, so I tossed, I tossed the day job in, but all of a sudden, I, I haven't filled the job. And then I, uh, as well as that, I started up a lawn mowing business. Can you believe that? And I put so I bought a, I borrowed my dad's mower, my dad's trailer, and I put some ads in the paper. Before I knew it, I was rushed with lawns, and because uh, in Queensland in summer the lawns grow every five minutes, and uh, and so I quickly bought a trailer and a mower. And I'm mowing, I'm mowing lawns during the day. I'm doing windows on weekends, and I thought, wait a minute, what about what about the night hours? I need to do something there. And then uh, I went and uh, did a bread runner in the early hours of the morning. Utilising all the hours in his day eventually became too much for him and this was the wake-up call which was necessary for him to move forward. I had three, three cash businesses. Uh, uh, I had heaps of cash flowing everywhere but I wasn't getting much sleep and, and it all came unstuck because one night after a mate's 21st, very late, I was uh, actually quite sober at the time strangely and uh, on my home at 20 past four, uh, it all caught up with me and I, I went to sleep before I got home, I went to sleep behind the wheel. Oh, okay. And uh, I hit a bridge head on and uh, made quite a mess of myself. In fact, the police arrived and thought I was dead, but uh, we filled them. Uh, but what that did, uh, I won't take too long telling you, but it changed my life. It's the best thing that ever happened to me uh, because what it did, it, it put me on my back and, and it gave me time to slow down and think about my life and where I was going. Uh, those three businesses all came to an end because they totally relied on me exchanging time for money personally. Uh, and I couldn't mow any lawns, I couldn't clean windows, and I couldn't deliver bread, so there I was. Uh, but after feeling sorry for myself for several months uh, and uh, some operations, uh, I started to think about my life and what I was doing. I suddenly started uh, changing my diet. I was reading a lot of health books, um, including Paul Bragg. I got onto. I didn't turn into a vegetarian, but I was sort of no such thing as a part-time vegetarian, I realised that. But anyway. <laughs> Cut my meat back. I didn't change my diet. Read, started to read a few books. Some of the old, some of the old great ones. Think and Grow Rich. Yeah. Rich Dad pulled out and was was later on, but uh, and decided, well, property is it. What am I going to do? And uh, so when I was well enough and I got off crutches, I was on crutches for a year. Uh, I decided to head to the Gold Coast and make my fortune. Coming up after the break, we'll delve further into Anderson's journey on how he discovered developing. But it didn't take me too long to work out that it was the developers who appeared to make the money. His amazing aha moment. It's a strategy of doing property developments uh, without any of your own money. It's called a vendor finance deal. And that's next. I'm Tyron Shum and you're listening to Property Investory. Looking at buying property in 2018, would you like expert tips and advice on the best ways you can purchase property? Whether you're a new or experienced investor, learn from the experts by downloading the Property Investment Buying Handbook. It contains the best tips and advice from 37 of Australia's leading property experts. Simply text me your email address to 0499881040 to get your copy today. Moving to the Gold Coast, Anderson then followed the property route until he inevitably discovered developing. 
I thought you go to the Gold Coast to make your fortune. I didn't realise that a lot of people go there to lose it. But, yeah. um, <laughs> because, I, I, you know, you know, a young guy, full of ambition, full of energy, 10 foot tall and bulletproof, uh, and, and doesn't even know what he doesn't know. It's a dangerous combination. But, but anyway, uh, there you go. At least I'm there. And I was out of the public service and I was down there. So um, I... Uh, I got involved. Uh, I actually, uh, I, I had a look around. Look, I, I knew property was where it was at, and I had a look at all the different aspects that I could have property. I thought, well, you know, there's real estate people sell it, and builders build it, and that's a bit different. And then, but it didn't take me too long to work out that it was the developers who appeared to make the money. Now, certainly, agents and good marketers make good money, and we know builders make money. But it seemed to be the developers, as far as I could work out. And I, there was a mate of my dad's who was a builder and a developer. He was both. And uh, he gave me some some good basic knowledge and some good advice to kick me off, uh, and uh, and that got me going. But I couldn't, I didn't know how to get into property development. Uh, there wasn't any direct path, not like there is now. Well, first of all, there's no internet. If you wanted to find out anything, you went to a library. Yeah. But um, and I had a look around at courses. There was no uni courses. There was no TAFE courses. The closest thing you could do was be a property valuer. And I had a look at that and did that for a couple of months, but I could see that wasn't going to get me. And I thought, well, look, I'm just going to have to get a foot in the market somehow. So I took on a job at a real estate agency that was selling land, vacant land. They had about four subdivisions they were marketing just at the back of the Gold Coast. And uh, and I got myself a job there, and uh, that, that at least gave me a foot into the market. So uh, there I was selling, uh, selling land to people. Uh, who were then building houses, and then I was selling land to builders who would build houses, and then I would sell their houses. Becoming entrenched in sales and gaining a better understanding of property gave him the confidence to follow what he was passionate about. I was actually okay at selling. Um, I'd never sold anything before, but I seemed to be okay at it. And I found that the being the real estate salesman actually pushed me out there. Uh, I realised that the successful ones are fairly bold, uh, they're the good communicators and, and they. there's a saying in real estate sales that the follow-up gets the sale. So it was always following up on people, people you've seen, people you've shown property to, keep following up on them uh, and that sort of thing and that sort of got me out of my out of my comfort zone a bit. Uh, but but uh, it's like anything, you know, you just incrementally get out of your comfort zone and before you know it, what was uncomfortable becomes mundane and... And uh, I would do that and found I could sell them and started making some good money. But the passion was, was still in the development side. But fortunately in this role, um, I was meeting property developers because we were selling their subdivisions. And so I got to talk to them and I got to have a look at subdivisions being built. And I got to talk to people like uh, the planners and the civil engineers who do a lot of the design and that sort of thing. And, um, and uh, that just sparked my passion even more. And I started to learn some things off these people. Uh, as well. Uh, they, were, they were very kind and they were very generous with their time because they could see the passion in me, I think. Anderson's property investing journey, however, didn't begin until after he already had become a developer. I became a property developer before I became an investor. Uh, you can do it that way. You don't have to do it the other way around. I, I became an investor a bit later when I started to keep the properties that I actually developed because as a developer, you can get them at raw cost. Uh, but um, I had a watershed moment, actually, and I still talk about it. I talk about it to my students because it was something, you know, sometimes in your life, something happens. It could be a chance meeting with somebody. It could just be a sentence somebody says that just turns your lights on. And, and this is something, I call it a watershed moment. 
about a month before, uh, a fellow had come into the office. Now, prior to this, he'd bought a, uh, he'd bought a parcel of land through our office and uh, he'd gone away and he'd got a development approval to subdivide it into four lots. And uh, for whatever reason, he decided when he got the development approval that he's just going to sell it. He wasn't going to go on and develop it. And so he came in and he listed it with our office. He listed it with one of the other salespeople in our office. Anyway, about a month later, this Sunday morning, his name was Tony. I remember him. He's a, a not that I'd know, but he, was, he seemed to be an attractive-looking guy. Uh, you know, he sort of had medium-length hair, wavy, uh, drove a good car, dressed well. And I thought, yeah, Tony's a, you know, but he's a pretty successful guy. I mean, that's that's just the way I summed him up at the time. Well-spoken, you know, well-presented, seemed to have a bit of money. Uh, and he came in this Sunday morning and he said, um, I said, g'day, I'm Bob. And he said, yeah, yeah, I've seen you here. Uh, he said, look, have you got any takers for my block of land yet? And I said, Tony, we haven't. Uh, but I made a statement, and this is this sentence changed my life. I said, you know what? I would love to develop that land. I'd love to buy that block of land off you and develop those four lots. I just don't have enough money. And he said, oh, really? And he started to ask me, like, where did this development thing come from? You're here selling land. You know, where's the, where do you, what do you want to be a developer? He then started to tell him about his accident and how it led him to the real estate world and his passion for property. We talked for about 20 minutes. Asked me all sorts of things about myself, even private things, you know. Uh, and at the end of it, he said, you know, Bob, he said, I'm going to help you realise your dream. He said, I'm going to actually make it possible for you to do that development. And I said, well, that's great, Tony, but I was, as I said, I don't have enough money. And he said, Bob, you don't need enough money. This is where, this is where I first learned it. He said, you don't have to have the money. He said, there's ways and means of doing things. And he said, I'm going to show you. And he did, actually. And he did what, what is now commonly called, in fact, I even teach it. It's a strategy of doing property developments uh, without any of your own money. It's called a vendor finance deal. And he actually showed me how to do it. And normally, as a developer, we'd be trying to show a landowner how to do it. He showed me. I didn't realise at the time. I got to know him. He was a very sophisticated property person on the Gold Coast. And he used to amalgamate development sites along the beach at Broad Beach, Surface Paradise and Main Beach. And so he was very au okay with property development, using call options, vendor finance, joint ventures, all those sorts of things. And he told me later on, I, I said, why did you do it for me? And he said, you know what? He said, I saw you, once I really got talking to you, I saw you as I was 15 years earlier. You know, young, full of energy, 10-foot tall, bulletproof sort of guy, dangerous. And he said, and he said, and you remind me just of me. And he said, and I actually had somebody those 15 years ago who actually stepped in and helped me. And he said, I made a pact with that person that, that I would do the same. And uh, sometime when the opportunity arose, and the opportunity arose when he heard me make that one sentence that changed my life. After this mentor walked him through the ins and outs of becoming a developer, Anderson learned how to undertake property developments without any money. From there, he continued to pay it forward by educating other people to do the same. And he showed me how to do it, true to his word. He took me to his bank manager, he helped me organise the finance. I paid him for half the, half the land at the beginning out of the, out of the 80% loan that I got from the bank and the other 30% I had left over was... Uh, was enough for me to develop the sites with. So I basically had no money in. I just used the land as security, paid Tony half at the beginning and half when I'd sold the lots. And uh, so I put no money into that deal and did extremely well. And uh, that changed my life. First of all, it, it showed me how to you could do property developments even if you don't have money, if you're smart and you've got some sort of strategies behind you. Um, but it, it, it also 
instilled something in me. It gave me a seed, which only came out later on when I also started to do that for other people and showed them how to do things, you know. Wow. So, so like a payback, I suppose you could call it, yeah, pay, but I'll do it. Pay it forward, yeah. Pay it forward, it is, except that I didn't just do it with one person. Like like uh, Tony's mentor did it to him and Tony did it for me. I, I do it for, for hundreds of people these days because that's my life and that's what I do a lot of it. The worst moment in his journey was having to learn about market cycles and the differentiating markets. This he learned the hard way. It was while I was still very young. And still, and still learning, learning, uh, and and not really having having anybody to really learn off. As I said, no courses, no uni courses. Nobody was teaching property development. Nobody was on the stage talking about it. You know, it was back in those old days where you learnt by trial and error, and a fair bit of error. And uh, what I didn't fully understand was markets and market cycles, property cycles. And uh, I had a good run on the Gold Coast for a little while then, I was doing okay, I didn't realise how cyclical, first of all, the property markets can be, but also how massively cyclical a market like the Gold Coast can be. Now, I don't think it comes as news to anybody that the Gold Coast can have some very big highs and some big lows. Uh, and that's a lot of that's got to do with the fact that it's um, a lot of it's driven by tourism uh, and the hospitality industry. And when that's when tourism's going well, hospitality industry's going well, there's buildings being built and builders get busy and all those service industries that work off that are doing well. But when it when it doesn't, it just falls into a hole and there's always big oversupplies and it's always done that. It doesn't have a big uh, a big industry base behind it other than mostly tourism, you know. It's, it's, it's gotten a bit better over the years, but it still has those highs and lows. Back in those days, it was massive highs and massive lows. I didn't realise it. And so I'd done a, a subdivision, fortunately not too big a one, uh, and all of a sudden, like, it just hit the wall and I, I couldn't sell it. So I'm incurring debt. Uh, it's very hard. Nobody wanted to buy vacant land. And uh, and what I ended up doing is um, I realised that there were still some sales if you had completed houses uh, and, the, and the prices had come back. But uh, I realised if I just sat there, I'd just bleed to death. Uh, I'd just go out the back door. And, uh, I'm a, you know, because of a, like a pretty highly competitive sporting background uh, in my earlier days, I, I just, you know, the, the thought of giving up, just, just, uh, I just couldn't fathom that. I couldn't do it, couldn't roll over. So after he scraped together what he could through borrowing money from friends and family, Anderson started to do some small spec houses one at a time. This took him two and a half years. But I slowly built houses on the land and I sold them and I was actually... Because I, because the market was really flat and I had to sell them cheaper, um, I, was, I was at least I was getting rid of the land and break. I was breaking even on the build and getting out of the, out of the land at, at virtually not much profit. Uh, but it got me out of it uh, eventually, and uh, and I learned a big lesson. And I and the lesson I learned is um, have a look at property cycles, get to understand them a bit better. Um, and particularly places like the Gold Coast, uh, and we've seen some terrible things happen in mining towns and that sort of thing. So it's sort of uh, there. There is what I didn't realise at the time. Um, there's two markets on places like the Gold Coast as well. There's naturally a normal market, and there's this sort of tourism market. But I didn't understand that at the time. I didn't understand property cycles. So now that I am a lot more understanding of of that sort of thing, and 
and, and not just property cycles, but markets within markets and micro markets within cities and how uh, different types of product can be in supply or under supply in the same city close by each other. You know, I've learned a lot since then and, and the road became a lot less rockier. Uh, but that was my, my first big wake up that, um, I, you know, I was travelling so well, I thought, you know, why isn't everybody doing this? I must just be so extra smart. <laughs> uh, and it was a bit of a pullback for me, but it's good. It was a good lesson. Uh, it's, you know, made some mistakes I've, I've never made since. In my, as I said, my, my road became a lot easier after that. So, inspired by Anderson's journey and the lessons he learned, we'll continue the conversation in a future episode on Property Investory. We'll talk about the nuts and bolts of his strategy. At the moment, I'm developing in, in, in Brisbane, I'm developing in Melbourne. And uh, I'm always also looking at, a, at developing a retirement village, which is something of a specialty of mine uh, in New South Wales. The personal habits which have contributed to his success. I came to realise it fairly quickly. I, I would I'd put things off if they were difficult. So what do I do? I sort of half smart. Uh, each each morning, I'd do a list of things I wanted to achieve that day. And that's next time in a future episode of Property Investory. Also, are you looking at buying property in 2018? Would you like expert tips and advice on the best ways you can purchase property? Whether you're a new or experienced investor, learn from the experts by downloading the Property Investment Buying Handbook. It contains the best tips and advice from 37 of Australia's leading property experts. Simply visit propertyinveststory.com and subscribe to get your copy right now. Thanks for listening.